Hello and welcome to Into the Wild, the podcast that brings you wildlife facts, conservation updates and nature stories from the professionals to you. This episode of Into the Wild is brought to you by Leica Sport Optics. If you, like me, adore nature and love staring at it, then Leica are a company you totally need to check out. Getting closer to nature is what we all need to be doing and Leica Sport Optics certainly help you do that. I'm new to the world of binoculars and wasn't sure how best to use them, but with Leica's easy to use models and high-end technology, it didn't take me long before I was seeing wildlife like I've never seen it before. And now, on with the show. Seeing life underwater isn't something we all get the pleasure of being able to do. Yet for this week's guest, underwater photographer and cameraman Jack Perks, it's just another day at the office. How did Jack fall in love with life in rivers and ponds? What are the most annoying fish to try and film? And how can we get more excited about this environment we rarely get to encounter? Jack tells me all about how blue space is just as important as green space. Jack is also another fellow podcaster, running and hosting the Bearded Tits podcast. We briefly speak podcaster to podcaster about how the show came about and where he hopes it will go. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hello, Jack. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Into the Wild. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Thanks for having me on. That's all right. It's a pleasure. I've um, I've been on yours. You've now been on mine. That's it. And podcasts are incestuous, aren't they? <laughs> We're even now. Exactly. Yeah. I've try and weasel my way onto a few. Did um, UK Wildlife podcast the other day. So I'm kind of... Oh, Neil's one now. How was that? Or it was good. They were great. They were awful. They were terrible. No, no, they were good. Um, <laughs> they were really good. No, so I definitely recommend that one. And um, I've, yeah, I've been enjoying it. It's, it's nice to be on the uh, on the other side of it. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, that was interesting when I was on yours. I felt like there was a bit of it where I started interviewing you and I had to stop because I started to ask you questions about diving. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? No, we can't help it, can you? But I mean, I don't, I can't remember when I've scheduled that one to come out because we did that a while ago and it's not due out for a while. So that, this might end up coming out before that, even though we uh, recorded it before. If you've deleted it, Jack, don't worry about I it. I didn't. Right? I, I was I trying it. to be polite. It was shockingly shit. <laughs> and I just thought, I can't put this out. This is awful. <laughs> just can't work with some things you you get the audio back and you're like it's unmanageable no, it's like my ears are bleeding what the hell was this <laughs> well it's lovely to have you on the show jack <laughs> oh, i feel like we've just set the bar with how this chat's gonna go oh yes oh yes yeah just to clarify i'm not an asshole <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you, have to, if you have to start a podcast by saying I'm not an asshole, then maybe we'll, we'll see. Let's how we see go. where the rest of it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the listeners of Into the Wild, let's see if you can rectify <laughs> or, or ground or cement that statement with: Can you start by telling us, Jack, who you are and what is it you do? Yeah. So uh, my name's Jack Perks. I am a professional wildlife cameraman and photographer. And for the last eight years or so, I've mostly been in in or out of rivers that's what i kind of specialize in nice and you you've got some like cool i saw a photo on um twitter today was it your camouflage style wetsuit yeah yeah so um sometimes you have to kind of come up with quirky ideas i guess and that was uh i, I work with hammond dry suits so they they supplied the dry suit that i wore and then i i, I casually mentioned oh i'm thinking of putting like a ghillie suit which is like a kind of suit with all fake moss and stuff on and they said oh we'll make you one and I was like oh sweet okay so they made that for me and it goes over the dry suit and 
I was like, this looks a little bit like a gimp suit, but we'll we'll give it a go. <laughs> and uh, and you know, does it make any difference to the wildlife when I'm in the water? I don't know. It looks cool, and it makes me seem like I know what I'm talking about. I think there's a bit of you that just enjoys coming out of the water in that suit. Yeah, hoping that a passerby is shocked. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I, I guess I just quite, yeah, it, it's just nice to to try something different. I think it does work. It looks good when you um, when you do look at the footage when someone's filming me under the water and you can see me with the, and the 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 stuff swaying. It looks it looks mm. the part, so it looks pretty cool. So I think it does the job. So how and when did your love for nature and wildlife begin for you, Jack? It sounds really cliche to say this because everyone says this, but it's just forever. I've always, I've always liked wildlife since I was. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, since I was a nipper, so I don't ever remember not being interested in nature. If I'm perfectly honest with you, photography bores me, which is a funny thing to say as it's my job. Oh, really? But yeah, if, if someone starts talking to me about photo waffle, like, oh, that's a five megapixel camera sensor. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! I can't be asked with it. But like, but the wildlife <laughs> side of things, I, I I love. You know, I'm quite happy to kind of get nerdy about you know different species and behaviors and stuff like that but the actual the photography is a tool for me to engage with nature i'm not Mm. really into photography um what's i think the thing on my website says i'm a naturalist with a camera not naturist naturalist with a camera and uh, that's kind of how i sell myself not allowed to be a natural a naturist with a camera are you well i i I don't know i don't know (laughs) i guess so uh, I did live near a nudist beach once, I guess, but that's that's another direction that we don't need to go to in this. Uh... We're three minutes in. We're three minutes in. Let's not bring up the nudist beach now. Yeah. So that, that's that's interesting though, because I was going to ask you, um, like, if if photography bores you as such as kind of you know the techie side of it or the talking about it. I was going to ask how you got into it, but I think you answered it then, saying that it was a way for you to kind of immerse yourself in the natural world. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess the, the the technical answer is that I went to university and I did a degree in uh, marine and natural history photography at Falmouth. So um, that'll do it. Yeah, that 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 kind of put me on the path, I suppose. But because um, yeah, because prior to that, I didn't really do photography. You know, I just I sort of left school and I was like, oh, I should probably do something. And and then I thought, well, how can I uh, make a living with wildlife and uh, I'll be honest with you, I got really poor grades in school. I did awful. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to do anything too scientific because I won't have me. So I thought, I oh, know, I'll do something creative because you can be thick and you can do creative stuff. So uh, <laughs> so I went down that. <laughs> I, went down that <laughs> I went down that route. Remember, kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I thought, anyway. You can be thick and creative. <laughs> What an absolutely amazing sentence to say. Well, 16 year old... Out loud on a podcast. Yeah, 16 year old Jack thought that was the way to go anyway. Uh, so I... Uh, I'm using that as a quote. Please I do. Please do. I might do t-shirts um, of it. So, but that was a very harsh reality because I was like, you know, I got an E in, in maths and, and I was just awful. Really, really bad. So, um, yeah, I just went down that route and I did a, B, a two-year B-tech at college. And then that was what got me into... To university so um so what about the underwater side because i think like like you said photography and we kid and we and we joke there but you know photography is a creative side and it is yeah. that kind of you know deciding what angle you want to go down there is always a bit that catches people whether it's landscape whether it's actual you know animals or whether it's macro or anything like this but you went with kind of both film and photography underwater so was there a reason why you 
decided that was the kind of I don't know environment you wanted to discover. Yeah, well, so the so the course, the actual degree I did, you know, marine and natural history photography. Uh, part of the thing that they sold it on was we we do lots of underwater photography, and I thought, oh, that'd be great. Spend three years in Cornwall, pasty cider, all that jam, and uh, and I can do uh, underwater stuff. And I thought that you know that sounds good. I'll give that a go. It turns out it's not as easy as I thought it would be, but I really liked it. I really enjoyed. It. I liked being in a a different environment, and I liked that. Not as many people do it, and, and even today, not as many people. You know, if you look at uh, kingfishers, I mean, they're lovely birds, don't get me wrong, but does the world need another photo of a kingfisher? I mean, I think we'll be all right. But, like, how, ma- how many photos do you see of pond snails? How many photos do you yeah. see of, uh, of trout? Or, I don't know, anything that lives underwater is automatically less accessible to people. So that interests mm. me more, because there's less of it out there. Um, and if I can kind of show people a fraction of the enthusiasm I have for these things through through video or through stills, then that's great. Yeah, and that's I, I, I really like that. And I, I think that's why I've always had that fascination with underwater as well. Like you said, it's, it's something that is not overly accessible, at least not instantly. You know, when you're on land and stuff, you can't go and see it as, as easy. So um, what, what about some of the challenges? Because obviously you've done photography and film on land and you still do. You've done a lot of work with Countryfile, with the watches on BBC and stuff. But how do you, what are the challenges that you face having to get the footage or the photo or the still underwater that you might not have that challenge on land? Yeah, I mean, it is harder, definitely. You know, you're, you're in a different medium, so it's it, it's not easy. You've, you've got less light. The, the deeper you go, the less light yeah. you have. So, you know, in photography, light's obviously very important. You've got things coming at you with debris and animals and things like that, which you wouldn't normally have uh, in on, on land in quite the same way. If you're scuba diving, you've got limited time in the water. You know, you can't spend all day down there, so you're only in there for a short time. Um, and the deeper you go, colour drops off. So I don't know if you know about the colour spectrum in water, but uh, once you go below five metres, you lose red. And then once you go below 10 metres, you start to lose orange and yellow. So that's why everything looks blue when you go deep down, because that's the only colour. Oh, that's interesting. It's the only colour that penetrates. So um, you lose colours and you might have to use light. So it gets a lot more technical which i guess is surprising when you think about it if i don't particularly like photography but i've gone down a very (laughs) gone gone down a a very technical route really obviously you have to use the camera is not waterproof in itself there's no there's no camera you get some splash proof ones but you know for proper cameras inverted commas um you have a housing that goes around it and then that kind of tinkers so um yeah it's definitely trickier to do underwater for sure and do you have a favourite kind of species, maybe that you actually not managed to actually capture on film or or photo yet, but is there a favourite species that you have or would like to? Oh, I mean, I always say grayling when I say, when mm. people ask me my favourite. Do you know what a grayling is? Have you ever heard of a grayling? I said, mm, as if I did, but I don't. <laughs> cool. If I smell bullshit, I'll call you out on it. Um, you clearly can. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I don't, and it doesn't surprise surprise me. I mean, a lot, you know, there's 54 species of freshwater fish, and, and most people probably don't know uh, half of them. So grayling are they're a member of the trout family, and I think they're fascinating. I love them. They are this beautiful fish. They've got a fantastic dorsal fin, uh, more more like a sailfish. So it's like a big kind of frilly dress. So they've got a nickname, Lady of the Stream, and that's where it comes from because they're they're um, Dorsal fin looks a bit like a kind of dress, I suppose. Uh, they're a great indicator of, of healthy, clean water. So if you've got grayling, you know that your river is incredibly healthy because they can't survive in, in dirty water. And I've probably done the most filming 
with grayling than any uh, any other fish. I've, I've spent years filming them. Um, that you know had them on on the watches before and things like that. There's, um, I think I sent it in our WhatsApp group. But there's a there's a GIF on WhatsApp of a fish with its mouth open, going like, Ooh. And, oh uh, yeah, and okay. That's that's actually my clip. I don't know who gift it or however you do that, but they took that from some bits that I did on uh, on uh, Springwatch a few years ago. So I'm, I'm sure there's probably a, a copyright claim in there somewhere, but I don't think. <laughs> And what about environment? Because obviously we talk about aquatic aquatic environments. That can be anything from, like you were saying, deep water, shallow water, canal, river, stream. Do you have a favourite that you kind of like to be around or be in? Uh, Rivers, hands down. I absolutely love rivers. Um, Someday I'm going to have a river at the bottom of my garden uh, on a house somewhere. Oh, nice. I just love, love being by rivers. I love the sound of them, the movement, how they're constantly changing. You know, even if you've got a river that you live near and you know really well, it, it evolves each year. You get new things on it. So I, I really mm. like that about river. And, you know, uh, even if you look at it from a mental health point of view, they're talking a lot about we, we know about green space, but no one's really talking about blue space. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but it's where if you live near the sea or uh, or a lake or a river, then it can have a yeah. massive calming effect on you and just, you know, ease you out so i i love being by rivers never happier than when i'm by a river that's i've I've not heard that phrase you just said there but that's actually i'm quite surprised i haven't heard that because i i think i hear people say that in some form all the time people you know it's evident if you look at the planet that we're always near water whether that's ocean or whether that's stream or lake we gather naturally around water so i'm so surprised that i've never heard i think it's a relatively new one someone's coined i i think but yeah that's kind of they're just saying, you know, water's just as important as as a, as a woodland, yeah. or um, and and I don't know, if, uh, and, you know, perfect planet's just been on, and that was really interesting, showing that the oceans absorb it's a crazy amount of of, of carbon dioxide, way more than forests. You know, we always think, oh, we got to save mm. the rainforest. Obviously, we have, but but the ocean, the amount of plankton that absorbs, um, you know, all these nasty ca- uh, carbon dioxide and things is is huge. So yeah, obviously, incredibly important. And like you said at the beginning, like cameraman, um, you know, both again, I will keep saying both stills and film is your job. So apart from getting your photos, how does that work as a job? What kind of work do you get as that with wildlife? Sometimes it's TV. I'm doing a little bit more TV now, but it used to be maybe a couple of times a year I'd do the odd TV job. I do a lot of work with charities. So the Wildlife Trust, Woodland Trust, Greenpeace, um, all the uh, WWF people like that, they might hire me to do a film or some stills or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting how my career's evolved, really, because when I started out, I used to do a lot of workshops, like te- teaching people photography, and I don't do as much... I haven't chosen not to, so I don't seem to do as much of that now, um, and I tend to do more of the commissions. Um, and then people might just come to me to to buy images, like, have you got a picture of a trout? I'm like, yeah. So we, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 definitely got that. So, yep. <laughs> but yeah, I've had some weirder stuff. You know, I've had um, uh, where, whereabouts in London are you again, uh, Ryan? You have to remind me. Um, Archway, so uh, Islington. Oh right, okay. Well, I um, oh, I, I go to Islington quite a bit. Oh no, I used to, not as much now. Um, but um, Regent's Canal, I got a job from the mm. Canal and River Trust, and they said we want you to film what's living in Regent's Canal. I was like, yeah, great, let's let's have a go. So we, we had we rigged up this big pole camera with a monitor on and a little GoPro kind of thing on the end and we were putting yeah. it in. And uh, we didn't find many fish, but we found several sex toys, which I thought was good for 
Like, you know, one would have been weird enough, but several. I was like, yeah. you know, touche London, touche. Uh, You're not far from Camden, that's the thing. Uh, so that that's it, is it? Okay, I've got I have no idea about local London yeah. politics. Okay, all right. Uh, I was so intrigued with what you were going to say. I, there was <laughs> half of my brain where I thought, this can't be like... And we discovered this beautiful... What was the name of the fish? The Graylin. I thought yeah. you were going to say, was it the Graylin? It, I thought yeah. you were going to say you saw a lovely shoal of Graylin. No. <laughs> really yeah. surprised you. But that no, would, that just sex been, toys. It was sex toys mostly. We found a gun. We found a safe. Um, <laughs> we found... What else did we find? An iPad? Someone must have thrown their iPad in. I don't know. Um, very little life, <laughs> basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, there are fish in regions, Kill. I've seen pike and perch and stuff like that in there before. Um, there, yeah, but... there definitely is. I tell you where the canal gets because my girlfriend lives on a narrow boat, so we explore oh, the canal cool. yeah. a lot of throughout London. Um, I would say so that there's a lot of life towards Tottenham and Tottenham Marshes. We were there, I think, originally, or we viewed her boat in maybe summertime, so the water was very clear and there was lots of lots of fish. And then when we went through towards Watford Way beautiful through there there's lots oh. of life in there have you been to um, um walthamstow wetlands before not uh no because that's i think that's in tottenham. we're not far from there now though no that's what i mean yeah so it's um i think it's in tottenham or tottenham hale tottenham hale but um yeah we're not far from that area so maybe actually i think we were considering going there how weird that you brought that up well obviously lockdown but that's one of my favorite places to go uh in the country actually not just london like for, for wildlife but oh, also wow for fish because there's a stream there called the copper mill stream and it's gin clear and there's some stonking fish like massive uh pike and carp and stuff like that it's a oh, wow. really it's like a, one of those streams you see in the amazon in the summer it's full of um yellow bottle uh lilies and they kind of uh, rave in the um current it's a beautiful it's a little calf there, like a little hipster calf which is quite nice as well but um it's a yeah, good that's look- so funny you brought that up yeah, yeah you we should were, definitely that was, go. i think it was on our list Okay, yeah. grand. Yeah, if you That's get a chance. Um, I mean, next time I'm down there, I'll hit you up because I love it. I, 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 you know, I, I, I will try and go there at some point, uh, providing we can. But I, I'd, I'd like to go to it again, so I'll let you know. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Let's actually yeah. let's plan that. We could do an on-location episode at Walthamstow Wetlands. Yeah, that'd be good. amazing. Let's do that. Um, so when we were arranging this episode, um, you said you quite often get asked about fish, and Neil from the UK Wildlife Pod always jokes and says, you know, ask him about being the fish guy. <laughs> this is a thing is this a thing yeah yeah um yeah so <laughs> um yeah it is i i, I mean obviously I, I get i'm fish twitcher is what people uh yes kind of call me and i always think if you've got like a little nickname or a moniker it just sounds really tatty to say it yourself <laughs> like if i introduce myself as the fish twitcher i'd sound such a and uh, sorry to drop the scene bomb. <laughs> if people don't, you know, if you don't like that, then um, obviously keep keep watching. I was going to say don't don't stop listening. Don't then, listen. Don't want... No, listen. Keep listening to the end because we need that. But um, yeah, you just you just sound just yeah, just not good. So you know, if if um, and my my in, in, in and I'll hold my hands up. My Instagram handle is fish twitchers. So you know, I am guilty a guilty party to a degree. Yeah. But I never I never introduce myself. And but the BBC delight in it. Because they'll they'll see that some article someone's called me that and they'll go oh this is great so let's um, let's let's do that and the the funny thing with I don't actually remember how it started I think so, I think the very first job I did was on the Great British Year which is 2013 
and someone there because I said I wanted to go and see every single fish in the UK and someone said oh you're like a fish twitcher and then that's how it kind of that okay so that's how it started okay that's how it started yeah yeah okay. yeah but so have so, you um, done that or tried yeah yeah no I've seen every every freshwater fish <laughs> <in the UK. laughs> so I have uh, I have done that yeah great that's that ticked yeah <laughs> but what have you tried because when I saw the fish twitcher I was like oh so maybe he just maybe Jack does like normal twitching but with fish <laughs> yeah well i guess that's what it is yeah because i don't because i don't really like uh oh and i shouldn't really say that because i don't like bird twitches but I, it's not that i don't like them it's i don't like i don't like what it can be about because i've had like, an so... actual birder say that on the show so don't worry <laughs> but like I, I i was in um lock garden car park in um the cairngorms and it's well known for for crested tits so they're like a really kind of pretty little highland bird and i was sat there and this guy pulled up in, I don't know what car, I don't really know about cars. It was it, it had four wheels, I don't know. And it turned up and then like there was a crested tit on a perch and he just wound his wind down, looked at it, wound his window back up and then f***ed off. And I was just like... That's where the whole element of like stamp collecting comes in though, isn't it? Like, <clears throat> Yeah. It's that well, real vibe I, I, of just, just to collect. I, I got invited, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story. I got invited to join a, a book called Dull Men of Great Britain <laughs> because... They uh, they thought that all I did was go with binoculars and steer into rivers and look at fish, which I wouldn't think is dull, but I guess the wider public could perceive that. And like the other people who were in this book were like uh, a roundabout fancier, this guy who would travel around the UK and look at roundabouts. There was a guy who enjoyed photographing pylons. Uh, there was a hedge enthusiast. <laughs> um, there was all these kind of very eccentric uh, guys it was mainly men. I was going to say guys. And guys I was just about to say, it sounds no, a it very was, man book. <laughs> it was all guys. And, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, we think you'd fit right in, Jack. And I was like, motherfucker, like, what are you saying? So, um, yeah, I, I just I just said, um, I said no. And they weren't going to pay or anything. And I was like, in hindsight, I should have done it for the cracks. It would have been so funny to like say your claim to fame is to be in a book called Dull Men of Great Britain. So I should have done it. But, you uh, should have done time, that. I know. But I, I just offended at the time. So I just told him to off but i should have done maybe they might do a new one you should write to them and say actually i've changed my mind yeah and if anything i've probably got duller so i've I've got i've got more gray as this (laughs) gone on yeah um so you said you said you always get asked questions about fish so i want to try and ask you questions about fish that you probably haven't been asked before okay sweet let's let's see if this works i don't know but okay most annoying fish you've had to try and film uh, yeah, no, I've not been asked that one, so that's a good one. Um, I mean, most fish don't really annoy me, but I guess if I had to choose one, it'd probably be blue sharks because oh, okay. they're. Um, I've been I've been trying to film blue sharks for years now, and in theory they should be a piece of because you just put a rubber dubby bag, you know, full of fish guts and all that sort of stuff, and you chuck it over the side, wait a couple of hours, and the sharks turn up, and then you get in the water and film them. So it should be simple, but every time I've done it. Either the sharks haven't turned up or you see a shark, you get in the water, then you can't see it. So I just have terrible luck with, with sharks. So I guess some people would, would think it's a good thing. You, most people don't want to swim with big sharks. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but no, I've, I've tried off Cornwall, I've tried off Wales um, and just not had a lot of joy. So I really want to swim with blue sharks, but they're just quite frustrating because I get seasick as well, which is a terrible quality for an underwater photographer. But um, 
I, uh, you know, and the conditions have been perfect. Both both times I've been after them, I'm like, oh, this is great. It's not choppy. I mean, maybe that's why I think I think the sharks like a bit of chop actually. So maybe that's why I might have to just like cane. Well, they do, habits. don't they? I thought that's when sharks were most active. Was in like more uh, pressure. Is it because something to do? Well, they're more predatory because of the sight is. I don't know. Maybe. It was something like that, wasn't it? Have I made that up? I don't. Possibly, but no, it makes sense. I'm, I guess if it's if it's choppy, that's maybe carrying the scent more. Um, I don't that's know. That's what I thought, and also I think water clarity it helps. It, you know, that's why they dawn and dusk as well because they, you know, they're not yeah. seen as well from uh, prey. I don't know if that's any well, truth in that, listeners. Mate, I might have just well, completely made it, that. If you say it with enough confidence, then why not? Um, you know, well, you prove well. prove it wrong. That's what I would say. <laughs> prove it wrong, and then I'll and then I'll backtrack. That's exactly. Ryan's science. <laughs> I went because uh, I went to do blue sharks last year with uh, Liz- Lizzie Daly and and a, and a few others. Oh yeah, um, and yeah, and, and two days before we went in the water with the um, with the sharks, an eight hundred pound mako was caught. Oh wow! Uh, by by an angler, and 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 the, and one of the guys on the bo- on the boat delighted in showing me this video, and he was like, "Look, mm. this is in the water. When you get in the water." And this huge mako, and you know, blue sharks I can handle. I'm not really bothered by blue sharks, but I just thought if that thing was in there and it saw me and, and it wanted to, you wouldn't stand a chance. It'd just be boom, you'd be gone. Eight hundred pounds. So, yeah, it was. I think they get bigger than that as well. And, and my heart was, you know, um, kind of healthily racing. So I mean, there, there's a sort of a thrill. You get a bit of an adrenaline rush because you're like, there's something in here that could potentially eat me. Uh, it obviously, you know, doesn't happen very often. But um, yeah, we didn't see any. We didn't see any sharks, so I didn't need to worry really. <laughs> well, I hope that um, I hope that dream for the blue shark uh, comes true. I really hope. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm going to have another go this year. I think definitely. So be good to do. Um, next question: If you could be any fish, what fish would you be, Jack Perks? <sighs> I mean, fish have it pretty rough. They you do. Know, don't there's, they? there's so much pollution going into rivers, and everything eats fish. Uh, I mean, and they don't live. Most fish don't live that long, so it's a pretty crappy life. If I if I had to be one, I guess probably a lamprey, which is a weird choice, I guess. Lamprey. Yeah. So um, a lamprey is a it's a parasitic fish, and they latch onto another fish and feed off its blood, and then they just get taken for a ride. So that doesn't seem too bad to me. <laughs> like you know, I could just attach myself to a, a bigger fish. And get a feed. I haven't got to swim. They'll take me around. Yeah. Um, so constant buffet. Yeah, basically, you know, just so yeah. I'm saying I want to be a parasite, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. I heard that, and yeah. then I was just, I was I was enjoying listening to you, kind of like I don't know, poetically describe the fish, and then I thought you want to be a parasite. That's what you want to be. <laughs> Basically, yeah, they are—they're awesome fish. They're primordial, you know. They are just incredible fish. So they, you know, and um, yeah, I—I—I'd I, happily be a lamprey. Why not? Um, coolest fact about a coolest fact you can tell us about a fish. Uh, okay, that's a good one as well. Yeah. So uh, you probably know there's a famous podcast called No Such Thing as a Fish. Have you heard of yes. that one? Yeah, yeah. So I, I love that fact because yeah, technically there is no such thing as a fish. Like. There's lots of things that live in the water and look like fish, but some of them are wildly unrelated. You know, so speaking about lamprey, so a salmon is more closely related to a camel than it is to a lamprey. And yet a lamprey, a lamprey and a salmon are still classed as fish, even though they're wildly different creatures. 
So um, there's lots of fish that I've got. You know, sharks obviously are, are incredibly different. You know, cartilage, uh, skeletons and whatnot to bony fish to hagfish and you know lamprey. I think it's 300 million years lamprey have been around. They, they, were, they were the first vertebrates. Uh, they don't even have a jaw. They just have a round mouth that they suck onto things. <laughs> so um, I think that's pretty cool. And and the other thing, just I, I'm not one to talk about grammar at all. I'm I'm, I'm chronically dyslexic. But uh, as as my Twitter followers love to remind me when I send them a tweet, <laughs> you know, often I I mean I'll leave it in just because I know it will annoy someone. Like I think, oh, that's the wrong there. But I'm like, you know what? Someone's going to get a migraine over that. Leave it in. Uh, so uh, so yeah, the use of uh, fish and fishes. So I I did a book uh, called Freshwater Fishes of Britain, and loads of people uh, kind of got that little. Uh, a grammar boner and they were like oh you've used the wrong word you shouldn't have used fishes you should have used fish well the the difference is that fish is for a singular species so if there's a group of trout that's a group of fish but if there's trout pike salmon all mixed in there they are fishes and that's the difference ah. but people uh, they love to try and pull that one from under me and i'm like nope you're wrong suck that <laughs> sorry i just journeyed back to the phrase grammar boner <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. I, I might have made that up. I don't actually know if that's the same. But this podcast guessing. has been incredible for Jack Perk phrases. Yeah, you you'll probably be able to use about ten percent of it. Like what you what you're hearing now, there's there's a lot of stuff that we can't talk about. Probably. <laughs> right. If you could change one thing about a fish, what would it be? I'd give them ears. That's Imagine fish nice. With big, Big floppy ears. I mean, technically, fish do have ears. They can hear. But can you imagine if fish had, had ears like us? You, you know, you'd have actually... It would be a very different film. Yeah, you'd you'd friend. give them the actual appendage of an ear. Yeah, the outer... that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Um, would I, 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 wouldn't change, I wouldn't change anything. Fish are perfect. They're, they're perfectly designed for living in, in that environment, streamlined. Uh, I, you know, I, I honestly... I, I, yeah, I don't think I'd change anything on them. Oh, that's an even nicer answer. <laughs> That's... I am ca- I am capable. <laughs> I can do nice answers. <laughs> um, right. What? So you said you really love rivers. What kind of other life? Um, let's step away from fish for you. Okay. What kind of other life have you photographed or filmed underwater? So so I do yeah work with all wildlife and then anything that lives near water. My brain automatically thinks how can I film that underwater? So I've done you know quite a few different species. Um, puffins were quite fun. I did puffins for a TV series a couple of years oh, nice. ago. I think that was Wales Land of the Wild or something. I can't remember now. But we um, we had to wear a fake puffin on our heads, and the idea was that we're in the water, so that the fake puffin is just above the water, and then the real puffins come over to investigate, and then I'm there with the camera to film the feet and then putting their head under. So that was a that was a really fun shoot because how many people have ever swam with puffins? It must be can't be that many. And uh, they came really close and they were like little clockwork toys kicking their legs. Amazing. So that was pretty cool. I really, you know, I really enjoyed that, like grey seals and dolphins. You must tell everyone that. Do you tell everyone that you swam with puffins? I would. Um, I don't. I know this is going to sound like a a totally thing to say, but it's my job. It's just another day in the office. So, I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, but I, I do all this weird stuff all the time. So it's not really, it's just... It's just another day to me. Like, oh, you know, you, you had a water bowl climb on your shoe the other day and 
and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yeah, I did. It was cool. But I, I don't think to, you know, unless someone's talking about it, I'll go, oh, yeah, that happened to me. But I don't really think about it, I guess. It's, it's just such a lovely thing. Like, I, I guess, I'm, yeah, I am looking at it from a really outsider's point of view. But to, yeah. the way you just said, like, not just the fact that you have swam with puffins, but the the way you did it, like you said, like you had the fake puffin on your head, you're on yeah. the water. You're seeing it from a completely different view that anyone has really, the majority of the time, seen puffins before. Whether you know, nearly everyone's only seen them on screen. If you have seen them yeah. in real life, it's probably on land. So it must be, I don't know, that's that that must be a real, like you said, it was a very fun way to film them. Yeah, and there's loads of wildlife I'd love to do that with. Which, I mean, so my 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 favourite bird is great crested grebes. I love great crested grebes. Phenomenal. I love a grebe. Uh, they are, who, who doesn't? You know, they're amazing. I'd love to do them underwater. They would be phenomenal to try and get some footage and maybe some stills of those. I mean, you know, any you know, name any any water bird. Getting it underwater would would be fantastic because there's not a lot of that out there. Um, and make like otters underwater would be pretty cool. I've not I've had a couple of goes, but not had much success at that. Um, so yeah, you know, I love it all really. Anything weird and wonderful that I can try and film underwater, I'll I'll have a go at. I guess it's something else in England we don't really think about. Like even when we said about the green space and the blue space phrase, like, but if you were to sell the love of underwater life in England, what would you say? How would you sell that to someone as something to kind of be enthusiastic and to care about? I'd say get get in. Like jump in a river, like which is probably a strange thing to say to people, and I'm sure there's health and safety connotations to that. But like, <laughs> um, like if you've never done it, you can't be immersing yourself in a river because we're kind of conditioned like, oh, that's dirty, so I'm not going to go in there. And don't get me wrong, there are some pretty manky rivers and lakes and whatever in the UK, but you can't be just putting your face in and immersing yourself into this world. Imagine, um, imagine someone's just had a walk in a woodland. And you've never been in a woodland before, and someone says, "That's absolutely amazing," and you're like, "But how?" And, and, and you just say, "Well, you go walk in the woodland, find out for yourself." And it's the same thing with a river, and yeah. you feel like there's so much life in there; it's an incredible experience. But until someone actually goes in and has a look, you're not going to get that kind of appreciation for it. So, you know, I, I'd recommend get yourself a snorkel, get maybe get yourself a wetsuit, or go in the summer in shorts or whatever, and uh, and get stuck into it. It's absolutely fantastic to immerse yourself with wildlife and just get this first close-up view you you know the the weeds going by and lifting up stones maybe and seeing what's under there it's just uh it's just an adventure it's like being a kid again i i love it i absolutely love being in the water even in the winter i don't mind it you know i'll, I'll wrap up a little bit warmer in a dry suit and, and get stuck into it it's just you know fantastic so the other thing i wanted to talk about is you've been you've moved kind of from behind the camera to in front of the camera a little bit, doing a bit more presenting work. And I spoke with Gillian Burke when we had her on the show about this, because she had the very similar path. But I'm interested to hear what you say, but how did you find that transition from behind the camera to presenting in front of it? Um, Yeah, not too bad, really. I mean, it was never intentional, I guess, because uh, I like communicating about nature. So I I do a lot of public uh, talks and stuff to camera clubs and and WI and stuff like that. And I do... um, lectures at universities and at workshops i'm all i'm used to communicating about things that i like and uh, about three or four years ago i i rang up a uh 
agency for wildlife TV presenters. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and do, I'm going to have a good go at this. I'm going to try and be a, a TV presenter. Yeah. Uh, I won't say which one it was, but I rang them up and they, they, they got back to me and they were, they were very nice, but they basically just said, look, we, we like you, but we're not really sure what, where you'd fit and what we'd use you for. Um, you know, don't, don't talk to us again. <laughs> do something else. <laughs> but, um, no, they didn't quite say it like that. They just they just sort of said, you know, just keep keep stick to the filming or something like that. So I was like, all right, okay, whatever. So uh, I do I, I do a little bit on YouTube occasionally, and I just thought, well, I've give it a go. I'll just stick to the, to the filming. And then really, the last year, I mean, you could argue because of the the pandemic, uh, film crews have had to been tightened. Like you can't take as many people out. Oh. So increasingly, they're looking for one man bands or one woman bands, whatever. Uh, to who can do everything, who can film, who can make, who can write a script, who can present, uh, who can edit, and everything. And the head of Country File rang me up um, in March time last year, mm. and she said uh, we'd we'd love you to to make some film, or make a film for us. And I thought it was a wind up at first. I was all like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> and then I just did one in my back garden on my pond. I just did what lived in my pond, and and it was yeah. all right. And I thought, all right, that's great. That was just a one off. And then she rang me up and said, "Would you be interested in doing some more?" So I thought, "Oh, that's good. You must have liked them." So I think that's. I think I've done nine now. Nine. Oh on wow! That. So so at what? I don't know at what point I've become a country file presenter officially, but I've been in nine of them. So um, that was really nice uh, to to do that, and I enjoy it because it's nice that I'm I can make my own scripts and I can edit and and, and uh, film the pieces. Mm. So I normally the, the way I work is I'll just pitch like twenty ideas. And they might pick two or three of the best ones, and then we'll film that. So, like today, I, I was filming otters for them. Uh, meant to be doing a piece on frogs in a couple of weeks, and hopefully keep it up. So that's been really nice. Uh, and then the one show, I've just started doing stuff for the one show as well. So I've done amazing a bit on uh, on squid. We were filming squid off Weymouth, so I had to get in the water and find these squid. So um, I don't think it'll ever be a full time. I mean, I think when when you're low down the food chain, I think TV presenting isn't a full time job anyway. But it's just nice to do every now and again. It's nice to have a feather in your cap. Uh, and often it leads to other work because someone will say, oh, I saw you on the telly. Uh, do you want to do this? So, um, yeah, I quite I quite like it, you know, in a, not in a narcissistic way, but it's just nice to do something a bit different, I guess. And I think with the, especially with the last year, but this was always, it, I think we were naturally moving down this point anyway. Um, and this is not to, this is not in any way talking down any form of TV, but it's a lot becoming a lot more common to create your own audience anyway you know it doesn't mean that that is the end goal is getting on tv you know the, the no. presenting you well, can be a presenter like you said at, on your look youtube at and look at us now yeah exactly yeah. it's this kind of you can be y- your own show kind of thing and i think that's something especially with lockdown when people are locked in an area going let's like you said with your pond even even if you hadn't done that for country file let's say you did that just for a youtube channel it's still something and you're presenting and you're you know doing that similar work and actually that brings me on nicely i didn't even mean that segue but let's talk about your podcast because <laughs> you have a podcast as i said at the beginning that i was on and we spoke about you know podcasters podcasting um, yeah, the nichest podcast going <laughs> but you your podcast is called the bearded tit um yeah. which is a great title um tell me how this started what it's about and what your plans are so uh it was a coping mechanism so that i didn't murder my family <laughs> uh because uh, it, it's one of those things when did you start yours ryan when did you start your podcast i flipped um, it already there we go i'll interview so, you yeah you're, um 
So, like, it started in, like, 2019, but then okay. when lockdown hit, it took a massive restructure. So I would say officially started in March last year. Okay, all right then. Because I think, and I, and I don't know if you looked at analytics, but I would imagine if you looked at March 2020, there was a massive rise in podcasts because yep. you've got all these creative people, or, you know, idiots, as I would call them, who... Uh, <laughs> Just who, call them comedians. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to say that, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, who who had you know not not a lot of work, not a lot of time on the on their hands, and they wanted to pour their, that creative energy into something, and podcasts are a great outlet for that. So I, it was one of those things where for years I've been thinking I should really do a podcast, I should do that, and just I just hadn't quite had the time, and I didn't really know much about them, and then I just thought, well, I'm I'm doing bugger all, let's let's start this podcast, let's give it a go. So it was a way of of coping with lockdown, I guess, because. Uh, that that was you know the the first lockdown is when everyone took it seriously so we didn't no one went out and, and did anything and you know I wasn't seeing anyone and it it, it, it four walls and I, I was living with my uh, she wasn't my wife at the time but my wife then and, and my mum so I was only seeing them every day and I just needed to talk to to other people and yeah. the podcast originally was just my friends I just because I know a lot of people in you know without sounding too showbiz I know a lot of people in the industry. Um, so I'd just get them on and we'd have a natter and, you know, often we'd end up talking for ages after the podcast, which was always really nice. So it started off as that. Um, and then it's just evolved really over. I mean, it's not even been a year. I say I started in, in March, you know, because originally I did a little news piece and I did a little kind of nature reserve of the week. And then I, I just thought, well, at the end of the day, people, they just want to hear the interviews. They, they don't give a monkeys about the, the news. And I because I record my podcast uh, so far in advance, the news was way out of date. Anyway, I remember doing one on the yeah. vulture, and the vulture had fucked off like two months ago. <laughs> and I'm and I'm like, oh, there's a bearded vulture, and and it's like, well, it's off, you know, weeks ago. So I just thought, and unless I do it weekly, that's not going to work. And the reason I don't do it weekly is because I'm I'm often busy, and I don't I don't want to have massive gaps. I, I don't want to have like a month of podcasts and then two months of no podcasts. I want it to be a steady stream. So that's why I record them so far in advance because there's always podcasts coming out, and if I'm busy, I can always squeeze one in just to keep the ball um, the ball rolling, really. So uh, that's how it's evolved over that time. But yeah, m- much much like yours, I guess. Yeah, it is a fairly relaxed chat, and we just talk about people's careers and and what they like and and stuff like that. So it's um it's a it's a good. I I would say it's a good podcast. I'm hardly. It is a crap. good podcast. No, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. <laughs> The, some would say the best, but um, well, well, you know, we won't push it. You don't have to force it. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, natural compliments <laughs> please, are always. Please listen. Please listen just, to it. I, I need if you the get views. time, guys. If you get time, listen to it. But if you, only if you have the time, like yeah, Into the yeah, Wild li- is kind of there as your thing, and then if you have yeah. time, listen to that first, and and then then me. <laughs> <laughs> the last question of the podcast, Jack. Everyone gets asked this. Um, if you could pass okay. on one bit of advice onto everyone regarding the natural world, what would you pass on? Uh, always have toilet roll with you in your car because <laughs> you do not want to get caught short when you're in the middle of nowhere. I've been in that situation. It gets messy. No one enjoys that. So That's uh, your natural world bit of advice? Yeah. On a more serious note, um, I think just whatever your uh, interest is or your your quirk, then, then embrace it. Whether, you know, if you're utterly fascinated by by beetles or fungi then just go full on for it i mean i think it's nice to be a general naturalist but i i often appreciate the people who take that step further 
and they're you know they're incredibly interested in slime mold because they'll say to someone i love slime mold and you're like why why should i care about slime mold and then they've got like 10 reasons why and they just bah, 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 bah. this is why you should care so i think whatever your interest is uh, just just double down on it just learn more about it uh, embrace it learn everything that you can are you saying don't be afraid to be the dullest man in britain <laughs> Yeah, don't. Don't for it. Let's do a book. Let's get together. We can do uh, lichen fanciers and slime mold enthusiasts. Me liking fish. Let's go for it. I think that'd be a great book. Amazing. Jack, it's been lovely to have you on the show and chat. It's always, always super fun to chat to you. And thanks for your insight into the world of underwater filming and fish and podcasts and presenting. Um... I wish you the best for the rest of the year and I know we'll catch up soon. Cheers, Rhino. Thanks for having me on because it's always nice to come and have a little natter and I, I think what you do is absolutely fantastic. You 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 know do a really good job at it as well. So I'll try not to brown oh, you too grand. much. But, you know, uh, it, is, uh, it is great what you do. So, yeah, keep it up. Thanks, man. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to keep up to date with the projects and work Jack is working on, you can do so at Jack Perks Photo on Twitter and at Fish Twitcher on Instagram. If you enjoy Into the Wild and you want to throw us a few pennies, you can subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Into the Wild podcast. You'll get early access to all episodes and even unlock some exclusive shows. You can also get in touch with me at Into the Wild Pod at gmail.com or we're on social media, of course, at Into the Wild Pod on Twitter and Into the Wild Podcast on Instagram. Whether you just want to say hello, share some thoughts on an episode, or please let me know what you want to hear about next. Until next time, keep well, stay safe, and live the good life.